Today's scripture reading uh, comes from the book of Ruth, chapter 4, which can be found on page 189 of some of your pew Bibles. I really encourage you guys to follow along as the scripture readers come up uh, and share the word uh, with you. Boaz went to the town gate and took a seat there. Just then, the family redeemer he had mentioned came by, so Boaz called out to him. Come over here and sit down, friend. I want to talk to you. So they sat down together. Then Boaz called ten leaders from the town and asked them to sit as witnesses. And Boaz said to the family redeemer, You know Naomi, who came back from Moab. She is selling the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should speak to you about it so that you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right away, because I am next in line to redeem it after you. The man replied, All right, I'll redeem it. Of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way, she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. Then I can't redeem it, the family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land. I cannot do it. Now, in those days, it was the custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. This publicly validated the transaction. So the other family redeemer drew off his sandal as as he said to Boaz, You buy the land. Then Boaz said to the elders and to the crowd standing around, You are witnesses that today I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Malin. And with the land I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Malin, to be my wife. This way she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses today. Then the elders and all the people standing in the gate replied, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home. Like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. May you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman, who will be like those of our ancestor Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. So Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant. And she gave birth to a son. Then the woman of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord. Who has, now provi- who has now provided a redeemer for your family? May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law, who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor woman said, Now at last, Naomi has a son again. And they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. This is the genealogical record of their ancestor Paris. Paris was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. 
Solomon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. Acts, the fourth act opens following Act 3. Naomi has counseled Ruth propose to Boaz down at the threshing floor. Ask him to spread his wing or the fringe of his garment over you. He'll understand. So Ruth sneaked down to the threshing floor and did as Boaz directed. And Boaz responded, as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. But hang on, because there's a speed bump on the road. Might be more than a speed bump. Because you see, there's a closer relative. Yeah, Goel, a kinsman redeemer. And he has the right to marry you, and he has the right to buy Naomi's property before I can step in. So, um, okay, don't worry about it. Before this day is out, I will settle this issue. And so, as the sun rises, the curtain rises on Act 4, Ruth chapter 4. And Boaz is on the move. He walks straight to the town of Bethlehem. It's just up the hill. And he goes straight to the gate Now, Bethlehem wasn't a big town, but it was big enough to have a wall around it, and so you had to have a gate through the wall. Here's a diagram of what these gates looked like in the ancient world. You can see the wall is around here, and the gates are going through the wall, and then just inside the gates are kind of storerooms or porticos. They were big enough to have benches in there, and this was sort of the community center. This is where things happened in town. It was the courtroom and the community center, and uh, this is where people went to find out the news of the day. Here's an archaeological dig that shows those uh, some gates like that. Can you sort of make out... The, uh, those little rooms off to the side. So Boaz goes and positions himself in the gates and he sits down and he waits. And guess who comes by? Perfect timing. Wasn't that lucky? And Boaz says to him, turn aside, friend. Come here, come on, sit down here. And he quickly gathers ten elders of the town because something's going on here. Some business, some court case, something has to be transacted here. He calls him friend. And uh, we actually don't really know how to translate this. It's a colloquial phrase in Hebrew. One uh, one translation says, a such a one. I think the King James Version says, ho, such a one. Like, hey you, come on over here. Another one says, come here, sir. The Hebrew is actually poloni almoni, and it's intended to sound comical to us, sort of like helter-skelter or higgly-piggly, <laughs> poloni almoni, and we don't really know how to translate it. It might be Mr. So-and-so, John Doe, Mr. X, 
hey, Poloni Almoni, come on over here and sit down. So he goes over and takes his seat. Hey, you, come on over, have a seat. He gathers the ten elders of the town, and soon a crowd gathers because something's going on. And remember, this is a communal culture, and my business is yours business, and everybody's business is everybody's business. And a crowd gathers in the gates, or just inside the courtyard of the gates. And Boaz says, So, uh, you know that uh, Naomi has returned... Yeah, she's fallen on hard times, and she's selling her land. You know the portion of the field that belonged to our kinsman, Elimelech? Yeah, yeah, it's very hard times, very sad. So look, um, you're first in line, you're the closest Goel, so if you want to redeem the land, uh, you have the right to do it. And Poloni Almoni's eyes light up. Yeah, he knows the plot of land. Ooh, a very sweet little plot. He'd love to get to add that to his holdings. Yeah, baby, he'd love to do this. Uh, And he says, uh, sure, yeah, I'll redeem the land. And Boaz says, okay, cool, that's cool. But listen, uh, not too fast, because when you uh, acquire the field from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth. The Moabite. And Poloni Almoni kind of gulps. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, the wife of Elimelech's son, you remember Mahlon? Okay, Ruth married Mahlon, so she's actually kind of like the heir. And so your obligation as the closest kinsman is that if you are going to get the land, you're going to get Ruth also, and then the first male child that you have actually will not have your name, but will actually be the heir and the offspring of Mahlon so that the land stays on that side of the family. So I just want you to know that this is the deal. And Poloni Almoni says, uh, and he looks at the ten elders who are gathered there, and this crowd is gathered, and he says, uh, look, he's thinking, I don't want to marry Ruth. She's from Moab. He wants to gain the property, but he doesn't want to pay for it and then have it disappear as soon as they have a male child. Man, what does he look like? Some charity organization? They think I'm made out of money? And so he says to Boaz, I, I will, I cannot redeem it for myself. You're next in line. Please be my guest. I am unable to acquire it. And he takes off his sandal and he hands it to Boaz. Now, what in the world is this sandal thing? What's going on here? Well, the foot is a symbol of authority, right? 
like to stand on someone's neck, you know, to grind them into the dust? Or what did God say to Abraham? When you walk all over the land, wherever the sole of your foot touches, you will acquire that land and that will be your possession. So the foot is a symbol of authority. So in order to indicate, hey, I'm giving up my rights, I'm giving you the authority, this is what they did in the ancient world. They would take off the sandal and hand it over. It was a strong nonverbal communication. And so he hands him his sandal. And the Bible says in Ruth chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, Boaz turned all the ten elders of the town and all the people that were gathered there. In verse 9 he says, On the day that you acquire this land, you will also acquire Ruth the Moabite. And then he says to everybody, You are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Mahlon. I've also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Mahlon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today, you are witnesses. And everybody says together, Witnesses! Just one word in Hebrew. Witness, yeah, we did it. Cool, yeah, we, we were here. Witnesses. And Poloni Almoni? We never hear from him again. And he fades out of history and fades out of the story. And the man that was so concerned to preserve his name has no name. And he fades away. But Boaz, out of his selflessness, became famous and well-known in Israel. He became the great-grandfather of the great king David. And Ruth, the Moabite, a foreigner, gets grafted into the nation of Israel and becomes the great-grandmother of David. And you and I know someone else who is in that line He was called the son of David. Generations later, Ruth was the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus Christ. Jesus had a little Moabite blood in his veins. And so from this story, we see that God is communicating to us that his covenant is wide. She was part, she was an outsider. She was part of a cursed people, the enemies of Israel, Moab. But she becomes one of the great matriarchs of the nation, the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. She's included in the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1 when Matthew traces Jesus all the way back. Ruth's name is in there. And she is honored among us. And we understand God's covenant is wide. The kingdom is open for Jews, of course. I mean, after all, they're the chosen people, right? (coughs) Did you also know that the kingdom is open to Gentiles. Those are non-Jews. 
That was a shocker in the ancient world. But we see flashes of it throughout the Old Testament, like in this story. The covenant is wide. Even for people outside the covenant, God grafts them in. It took the New Testament people a long time to grasp this principle. It was hard for them. Peter had trouble with it, but eventually he came to understand, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but he accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The door of the kingdom is open to North Americans and Asians and South Americans and Africans and Europeans and Australians and Antarcticians people. It is open to every person who will believe on him and receive the forgiveness of sins. The door of the kingdom is open to people with dark skin and people with light skin and people with medium skin. The kingdom is open to rich and poor, young and old, women and men, Patriots fans and Los Angeles fans. I have even heard it told that the kingdom is open to Yankees fans. I reserve judgment on that one. (laughs) Whoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Question. Are you part of this covenant? Have you repented of your sins and placed all your hope of eternal life. As this verse says, have you received him and believed in him? The door is open for you, just like it's open to people from around the world. The covenant is wide. And the second principle Perhaps the key principle, the key theme of the whole book, God redeems the helpless. Redeem or redemption is a financial word. For example, if you fall into hard times financially, so that you have to take your beautiful trumpet silver-plated, expensive trumpet. You have to take it to the pawnbroker. The pawnbroker will give you cash for your trumpet. And then, a few weeks later, if somehow you come into some money and you get a paycheck, you can go back to the pawnbroker and you can redeem it. You have to pay a little bit more, but you can buy it back. After all, it belongs to you in a sense, and you are reclaiming, you are redeeming what belongs to you. Redemption means to buy back. It's a word associated with slavery, breaking of chains, releasing a person from oppression. 
And the Bible shows us in the book of Ruth, God redeems the helpless. If you visit Charleston, South Carolina, you may take a guided tour, as I did. And the tour guide will undoubtedly show you the waterfront and the beautiful palm trees. And he will undoubtedly show you Rainbow Row, a whole row of houses, multicolored, party-colored, an Easter basket full of pastel-colored houses. And maybe the tour guide will also take you to the old slave mart. This is where they bought and sold people. And as the tour guide is giving you his guided tour, he may point out to you the auction block. Piece of granite, a block of stone. It's about this high. And maybe as he's giving his speech, he may ask you to stand up on the auction block as he did for me. It's obviously a role-playing situation. It's just educational, informative. But maybe you would find, as I found, standing there was very sobering. And in our imaginations, we can think not of the 21st century, but back to the 19th century, where it wasn't just role-playing. Imagine that you're a slave. Imagine that you're standing on that block. They look at your teeth. They poke you. They tell you to touch your toes and jump up and down because they want to assess your physical abilities. And the people are laughing, and the slave driver is mean, and you mean nothing to him. All that your value is is what price he can get for you. And you hang your head in shame, and your cheeks are flushed with anger. But then you hear a voice out from the periphery of the crowd, a strong voice with authority. And the voice says, This person belongs to me. I will redeem this slave. How much? And the slave master tells him, the price for this slave is you. I want your life. The crowd gasps. And the true owner weaves his way through the crowd. And he helps you down off of the block. And he puts his coat around you. And he climbs up on the block. And he says, I will redeem this slave 
with my own life. I take on this slave's debts and pay the ransom price. Because this is what I do. I redeem the helpless. That's what Ruth teaches us in almost the form of a parable, almost a a living example of redemption. Those who cannot save themselves are met with great mercy and great power and someone else acts in their behalf. This is the God we serve. This is the God that we love. We love him because he first loved us. And this is why we sing. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can my sin erase, nothing but the blood of Jesus, not of works, tis all of grace. Only and nothing but the blood of Jesus can redeem the helpless. Would you like to stand and lift your voice to God and sing out that song?